Ohio Police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. My name is Marcello Rolando. I'm your host And my guest today is Tom E. Brown. Tom is the writer-director of Pushing Dead. It's an AIDS comedy. So, Tom, how are you today? I'm doing okay. Thanks for having me. (laughs) My pleasure. um, It's always great to have a new voice uh, on The Reasonable Voices. And uh, let's let's talk a bit. Um, let me give you a bit more of an introduction so people know what we're talking about. Pushing Dead, written and directed by Tom Brown, uh, produced by Chris Martin, and let me try the Italian of this uh, so my grandmama will be happy. Richard Lagravenese and Jim Bloom. It's close. Was it close. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's close. Richard, Richard's from New York, so it's, you've you you've uh, fan- made it a little fancier yeah. than he does. <laughs> La Gravity. Richard La Okay. Yeah. I, all right. I didn't have to. I didn't have to alarm my grandmama after all. Anyway, yeah. pushing dead. But it was uh, very beautiful. Well, thank, <laughs> thank you, Tom. <laughs> I appreciate it. No wonder the movie's so funny. I've seen the trailer again. It's pushing dead. The trailer. It was hysterical, and it was just the trailer. Imagine the film. Now. Uh, <laughs> Tom, let's see who else is involved. You've got quite an impressive list here. Uh, your premiere at uh, Frameline and Outfest in 2016, yes? Uh, yes, we <clears throat> yeah, we just kicked it off, and, and Frameline just ended last night, so that's why I have that, that morning morning voice. I know. I know you were telling me. I appreciate you calling in from California. That's really, uh, you know, especially after a late night at Frameline. We also want to credit Bugsby's Pictures, yes? Uh, that is, uh, that's my uh, my little uh, film company. Yeah. Um, and then Chrismatic was, uh, is a company that my, uh, my producer, Chris Martin. So uh, the two of us really teamed up on this. Um, and uh, he he was kind of the the producer leading the way. Uh-huh. Um, Richard Richard Lagravenes. Uh, he was um, uh, my Sundance advisor. Um, he's mostly known as a writer and a director. I mean, this and he was also he played the mugger in the movie. And this is 
this is the man who wrote the Fisher King, you know. Uh-huh. We got to, like, you know, we got to, uh, uh, we, well, I don't want to give anything away, but we had fun putting him in there as the mugger. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, and then um, Ian Reinhardt was our executive producer, kind of the best executive producer that anyone can ask for. It's... <laughs> It's truly star-studded uh, behind the camera and in front of the camera. It's, how did you pull together such an impressive team? I'll talk about the cast in a bit. It's uh, yeah, I would um, credit some of that to the Sundance Institute because this is a project that went through the Sundance Institute labs. Yes. And I, I, once you have the Sundance Institute uh, stamp of approval, that's very helpful with casting. Also, uh, having Richard Richard the Gravenais attached, I think, was also helpful because he's such a respected writer and uh, director that um, I think you know people uh, people respond to having his name attached to a project. So I think that was helpful. Richard actually wrote um, or adapted that that Oprah uh, beloved, if you remember that. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, was was in Beloved, and uh, they did, he didn't discover that until he realized that Richard was also playing the mugger. So um, that didn't help us. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was, and I credit Danny Glover really for getting the rest of our cast. Yes, um, it was because it's it's so much easier when you have someone so wonderful like Danny Glover um, who who is attached, and you can tell other actors, or you can tell. Andy Alexander, you're going to be Danny Glover's husband, and she's like, oh, okay, I will do, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Robin Weigert is in it, uh, Jessica Jones. and uh, uh, Yeah, I mean, Robin, Robin Weigert, she kind of jumped in at the last minute because I had an, another actor, when I, uh, another hero of mine, um, attached to the project for a long time, and she ended up with a TV series that she just, she, so... Um, she was attached for years and years, um, Lily Taylor, and uh, she, uh, yeah, there was there was no way she could do it. And I, as soon as I saw Deadwood uh, for the first time and yes. saw Robin Weigert as Calamity Jane, I, I just said, if anything, you know, for for some reason, Lily can't do it. There I'm you gonna are. ask Robin, and, and I'm so happy that she said yes, and I'm so thrilled to end up. With James Roday as, yes. as really our leading as our leading man, he's, he's such he, such he's, an incredible actor. He really is. I mean, and he can be so deadpan, and those delivery of those lines, he's just nails them every time. I mean, it takes a lot to stand toe to toe with Danny Glover to begin with, and he does it. I'll tell you. But yeah, the, the, two, the two of them together, it's a uh, it, it's, it's a it's a really sweet thing. The moment, the first moment we started uh, started rolling and. And watching the two of them, they had a, a this, this really cool built-in chemistry that was um, its own thing, and I knew we were yes. I knew we were in good shape. Yes. <laughs> But also, Tom, you say, you know, a lot of this this gathering of champions and stars is because of uh, Sundance and certainly not taking anything away from them. It's a great institution, but you don't get recognized and supported by Sundance unless you bring something to the table. So I think that speaks well, (laughs) extremely well of you as writer and director here, too, as well as everyone else who's involved. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it is. It is incredibly tricky. The odds of getting into the Sundance Institute are crazy, mm. are ridiculous. 
so um so yeah it is you do go through a, a thorough vetting process before uh, before sundance notices they, they had noticed a couple of short that i had done that had gotten into the sundance uh, film festival mm. and so that's why they kept they were they were they were checking in with me to uh, find out if i was uh you know, going to write a feature, and I was saying yes because I wanted, you know, I, I just wanted to keep that door open. And sure. Then they asked me a few a few times, and I thought I better just you better write, write a feature. They, yeah, you know, <laughs> they're going to stop calling at some point. <laughs> so, um, so, so that's what happened. Unfortunately, they took they took it right away, and kind of uh, surreal too because they immediately hook you up with a casting director who turned out to stay on the project. Edie Belasco, oh, yes. casting director, uh-huh. and so uh, yeah, it's, it's it's helpful. That part is really helpful. Getting taking actors that are well known and throwing them in the mountains with a bunch of you know fresh filmmakers. Mm. Um, it it then takes the celebrity out of it after a little while, yes. and that's a really really helpful tool that they gave me, I guess, because you know then we did a reading in uh, Los Angeles with another one of my heroes, Ed Asner. <laughs> ah. And he played, he played the Danny Glover part. And um, all that was extremely helpful because, you know, when you walk in the room for the first time with Danny Glover, it's like, oh my God, I have to direct him. <laughs> you know, an, an icon. But you know, you, people like Danny Glover and of course, obviously, the, the whole team at Robert Redford's uh, Sundance, they are about the future of film, too. They, they are about in, independent filmmakers, yes, but they are about yes. discovering new work and, and developing the future of film and not resting on our laurels. So uh, it, it's a great place to be in any case. I, I know a bit of what you were talking about. I directed uh, years ago. Joey Fay was uh, a regular on the Danny Thomas show and uh, lo- long before his daughter, you know, and of uh, what is it she made that 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 girl I think long before that and as a kid and I mean a kid I'm not lying about my age I was a really small guy I loved the Danny Thomas show and years later and in my New York years as a director and be acting on soap operas I had the opportunity to direct a new work they asked Joey Fay if he would do his scene in it, and he came and uh, said he would and and I had the pleasure of directing him, but I know what you mean. There was a day when I sat down and I said, Joey, I, I think we need to tighten up a few things and cut a few things. And he sat and looked at me and understand he had been <laughs> in the business for 60 years, you know. And he said, well, you're the director. He was, it was, you know. So there are big names like that that see, okay, we're moving forward. Anyway, enough from me. Back back to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to go down memory lane like that. You there, you are at no, Sundance. I, I like it. I mean, that 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 is it. It really is. I mean, that that's fun. Uh, we could probably sit, you know, sit here and talk all day. I know. You, you make a movie. It's just there are so many parts. Yes. To it. And, yes. And there are so many stories, and and um, and I just I got like a you know the shoot went so smoothly, in my opinion. Uh huh because I've made a bunch of sh- shorts by myself and, and, and I thought it was going to be super stressful, but really it was easier than making a short film. Oh, uh-huh. um, you know, in a, in a lot of ways uh-huh. because it was a little more relaxed for me. I'd have to worry about
And um, I guess I did have to worry about everything. Yes, you did. Because I had super talented, you know, super talented people around me that I trusted. So, um, so I wasn't, I wasn't that worried, and it was a, it was a really good experience. And Danny was very welcoming and and always listening to any. Uh, but I didn't, to be honest, I didn't have to direct those guys that much because. I trusted them, and I just kind of let them go, and uh, and that's a really cool thing to see when you're a director and you're the writer, to see what people will do with your material. Yes. Um, so anyway. Well, well, that's great. I mean, and I mean, there are some, you know, Spencer Tracy always say, just tell me where you want me to stand. <laughs> But, but, you know, and he, he meant it in a good way. It, 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 it's a natural flow when when the words are you and you are the words. Of course, it takes great script to do, as well as a great actor to do that. So, uh, And it also takes, I think, a great director to know when he can stand back, and you've made that clear. So we, uh, uh, I mean, you're, you're right, we're having a ball here, but let's give them just a bit more information, <laughs> information about Pushing Dead. That's what we're really here to talk about today. And it is uh, the world's first AIDS comedy, The Rock and the Hard Place here. Between The Rock and the Hard Place is this AIDS comedy, uh, is the system for your film, uh, Pushing Dead. It's specifically the health system. So an HIV-positive writer without enough income to buy his meds. See, this is hysterical. This I know. Hysterical material. <laughs> And you know, even as I say it, I'm going. Am I okay saying? I don't know. Am I? I don't know. Am I making sense? But it's just. It is hysterical. I mean, judging based on um, uh, just reading about it and seeing the trailer, I think it's hysterical. But uh, but but a lot of people can relate to this. I mean, sad but true, and and funny in this film. To get state subsidies, uh, you have to stay within a certain financial boundary. I think that's one of the lines, as a matter of fact. So take us from there. How does he manage that without giving away too much? Well, uh, it, to me, it is life it just in general is funny. So every movie that I make will be a comedy or a dramatic comedy. It's definitely a dramatic comedy. And James Roday is also, he studied this uh, NYU's uh, experimental theater wing that he was excited to stop, do not just do comedy on this one. But to me, everything in life is funny. Every, you know, and you have to, especially if you're living with a chronic illness, because I've been positive for 31 years. So, in, and it went from, I guess, you know, more of a, it went from a terminal illness to a, you know, chronic illness mm -hmm. um, over that time. But for me, it's like that was the most important thing. If, if there's anything that's tossed at any crap that's tossed at you, you you have to shake it off and you have to you have to just focus on like the good stuff and your support system and you know, the great people around you and, and you have to have a good time or or, you know, you'll you'll shrivel up and, you know, maybe most likely die because that's the best and healthiest thing that you can do is to kind of get rid of that stress right away. Mm -hmm. And the meds, you know, the handfuls of meds that I take are helpful, but it, it really is about just kind of enjoying, enjoying life. And, and that was like a little bit from my HIV survival guide that I, yes. that encouraged me to make this movie because I wanted to share just a little something for me, the moment that I, 
started thinking about AIDS as this other being and having a relationship with AIDS and getting hitched and learning to get along, that's when it got a whole lot easier for me. And so that's why I really uh, started this, this screenplay. Mm. And I, I should point out that I have some news. The reason that it was an especially late night for me last night was because uh, Pushing Dead won the um, the audience award uh, wow. for the Brainline Film Festival. So Congratulations. So I'm really, really excited, especially... Especially for I, I feel so uh, you know grateful for the cast because mm-hmm. um, you know time and time again when somebody talked about liking the film and in the in the papers or whatever you know the, the cast is even if you don't like this movie even if you hate my writing you hate my execution you're going to respond to the cast I mean they're really there's some really great performances here yes yes. I, I have to say, uh, Tom, I wasn't going to push you on that subject, but I thought, you know, if you wanted to talk about it, you would, and I'm glad you did. It, this is, uh, uh, because when I saw the, you know, of course I did my homework, uh, and I thought, um, this is clearly sort of uh, autobiographical, or at least it, it's uh, you take from your life experiences. You have pushed the half-full glass, I think more like three-quarters full, because... It it, it it takes a lot these days to live with a lot of different challenges, but the challenges you have overcome and then survived it by living, you know, and I, I don't just right. mean living physically, but I mean living life to its fullest. And then on top of that, creating something that can, can inspire other people through humor. Is that, how do you feel? Is that, am I overanalyzing or what? Good for you. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and you have to, you have to, you have to get to that place where you feel invincible. And there is some some magical thing that happens with the human psyche when when you're when you're tossed that heavy. Um, that <laughs> you know, when I was, it happened to me when I was 18. And um, mm. and when you're given that heavy heavy diagnosis from your your family doctor when you're 18 if you don't know any better and you just go to the family doctor yes. and he tells you, you know, maybe three months, you know, best case scenario was three years. Um, mm. And uh, I, I have, uh, I have proved that man wrong. All right. Man, Good for you. <laughs> that man's not practicing anymore. I'm sure he's not because I'm getting old. He was old already. <laughs> so I think, I think other people are safe from the wrath of that doctor i used to tell people his name but i've forgotten it yeah which is the ultimate success you know it is just gone (laughs) yeah you're here but all of that's gone i love it well uh tom i i do uh we've got so much so much more to talk about but we do have another whole segment why don't we take a break here? When we come back, we'll talk a little more about making the movie and maybe a little more about the movie. I don't know how much you want to give away, but uh, there, are, there are certainly a lot of people caught between the system and the need to financially as well as physically survive. We are talking to award winner, if you please, Tom E. Brown, pu- <laughs> Pushing Dead writer-director. 
just up from a late night at Frameline success. But we'll be right back with Tommy Brown in just a minute. Stay with us. Another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Andy Film Minute. When Jason Bateman is in a film, we generally know what to expect. A good-natured everyman caught in comedic situations, stressing a white bread life. Perhaps that is why he decided to shake things up a bit in bad words. His feature film directorial debut. Guy Trilby, Bateman, is a decidedly unlikable man. A bitter 40-year-old on a mission to win an 8th grade spelling bee. Slithering through a regulation loophole, Guy slashes and connives his way toward the championship with strategies for eliminating competitors, both cringeworthy and hilarious. Of course, this odd series of events draws attention, bringing an intrepid reporter trying to get to the bottom of Guy's motivations and spelling be officialdom, frustrated in their attempts to stamp out his quest. Understand, this is an adult-targeted comedy that brings a fair share of its many laughs from deep within the politically correct trash can. Be warned, discomfort often plays a large part in comedy, but when reprehensible actions involve children, the ground can begin to shake. In the end, Bad Words is a fun journey to take with Mr. Bateman. So, leave your easily offended self at the door and be ready to laugh. Or please pick another indie for your fun. Bad Words. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. My guest today is film writer and director Tom E. Brown. We've been talking about his new film, award-winning film, as of last night at Frameline, uh, Pushing Dead. It is, we dare to say, a an AIDS comedy. It takes a lot of courage to put those two words together, and Tom has done that with an amazing professional team, which includes a producer we were just talking about. Uh, you want to continue a little telling us some uh, uh, some of the backstory for Richard? Richard Legravini story, so I won't bore you with all of them, but, uh, but uh, he's such a just such a talented writer, and uh, I guess the one thing I will say is he he's at a moment in his life where he he's kind of reinventing himself a little bit, and and he's he's doing some exciting stuff right now. So I think the next project that he does, uh, everybody should should look out for that, or you know for any anything he does because he's a lovely man. And he's a wonderful guy and, and has become a friend of mine mm -hmm. uh, because I don't think I've mentioned uh, this project started 16 years ago. Wow. Uh, at, and that was when I met uh, Richard when I was just a, a youngin uh, at the Sundance Labs. And we, I've had other projects going, and this project has always you know, continued and it always felt like it was about to happen. Mm -hmm. So the 16 years, the 16 years doesn't really feel like 16 years. It feels more like 15 years and 10 months. But it was, you know, it was a really interesting ride and, and um, not always, you know, a fun ride. But sure. having Richard taking the ride with me made it, completely uh, bearable and uh, and enjoyable. <laughs> so, so, yeah, he's a, he's a good man and a, and a talented guy. Thank you for sharing that with us. But bring us back now to 
making of the film. I think I said as, as something similar to a quote from the film, people today in general, especially since the recession, it's not over for everybody, stuck between a rock and a hard place, as they say. And in this uh, film, this AIDS comedy, Pushing Dead, it is about life. It's about making the best of some pretty challenging circumstances. Not just the illness of AIDS, but to be able to survive financially and to try and work the system and make it. So there is a, a pharmacist or a doctor in the film, and the line says uh, something like, memory serves me, to get state subsidies, you have to stay within a certain, certain financial boundaries. And um, right. this struggling writer, who's been HIV positive for 20 plus years, has a situation developed that kind of gets him caught between that rock and a hard place. Can you take us from there? Somebody who's not somebody who's not fighting the system because most people aren't. Uh, I, you know, most people are not passive, but they're uh-huh. but they're not they're not asking enough questions. They're not yes. they're not fighting the system. So frequently, you are um, given bad information yes. uh, by your you know that one caseworker that you talk to or yes. the one doctor, the one person at the insurance company. Yes, and you know, or the pharmacist. I, for example, was recently, right after we wrapped, so in the movie, he walks, you know, in an early scene in the movie, you know, he walks up to the pharmacist and she says, that'll be 2000 yes. you know, not $900 or whatever. I, I had never had this happen to me. I was writing about my fears, you know, because a cocktail is uh, very expensive these days, especially if you're on one that is as complicated and colorful as my um, cocktail. Uh-huh. So, so I walked into I won't tell I won't tell you the name of the pharmacy. But, yes. Uh, rhymes with rhymes with small greens. So if you're clever, clever, you'll figure it out. Um, and uh, the woman, no joke, says, you know. I'm picking up two pill bottles, so that will be three thousand two hundred and forty-five dollars. So there was everything I had written about coming back at me, and it took four days to clear it up, and it turned out that it was just a mistake on their end. Oh yeah. But at the time, yeah, I had plenty of uh, I had plenty of meds to get me through the next few days, and I was headed off on a little trip with my nephew, so I just tried to put it out of my head yes. and deal with it when I got back. So I had that in the back of my brain the whole time. You know, I might have to figure out how to come up with, you know, three grand to pay for two bottles of pills. So, you, you know, I'll ask the questions and and, and, and try to figure things out and, and try to uh, try to exhaust any, uh, you know, if I, if I was to run into that. But most people, most people won't because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you have a certain amount of trust. My dad was, really great at that like you know he absolutely trusted his doctor yes. and would never get a second opinion and you just have to you have to get multiple opinions with either medical stuff or the complicated healthcare system because it, it's crazy complicated and most most of the people who are even advising others don't fully understand it i'm so glad we're talking tom not only because 
it's such a celebratory time for you in, in with your pushing dead in the uh, film and and its recognition but it also as i'm sure you uh, intend it, it brings to life something that has slipped to the back burner or in the wings for most of us right. because we as americans and i'm guilty of it too the only thing that saves me from it is because i'm in the media and so i have to look we we forget if it's not on the nightly news every night, uh, and right. and the truth is HIV and AIDS are still out there. People are still living with it, uh, but it's still a financial and physical, uh, spiritual, um, uh, moral when it comes to in some cases the way we respond to people. Um, uh, it's it's an issue for us as a nation and as a people. So. What are your thoughts? Uh, are we getting any better at this? And, and how does Pushing Dead push us in the right direction? I remember um, an ophthalmologist that I was, yeah, and one of my many doctor's appointments said, I don't know, I don't think that we need, you know, another AIDS movie. But I was like, this is a different AIDS movie. <laughs> I, promise, <laughs> I promise you this is a different AIDS movie. And it, it's a very positive movie. It takes place over the course of roughly a week in this guy's life. Mm -hmm. And it has a, it has a dramatic moment because this guy is is not there yet. He's not where I am. Uh-huh. He it, it's not as rosy for him. <laughs> and uh you know, early on in the movie he said, you know, he, he says just what you were saying, like it used to be a big deal. It used to be parades yes. and, and red ribbons and now it's just like another boring life threatening disease you know it's, it's as exciting as having hefty and um and so he he you know he, he makes that at the moment at the, at the first moment of the movie which i think tells everybody where he is psychologically uh, and so you know my one of the main reasons that i wanted to write this was not only to share a little chunk of that survival guide but also to just keep it going like keep the discussion going yes exactly and, and not not make a period film you know about how terrible it was and this was jumping back to the Sundance Institute for a moment but when they read the screenplay it was the first they told me you know we, we have had so many AIDS screenplays because this was back in 2000 and sure. said, you know we've had a lot of them and this was the first one uh, this is a little bit of a spoiler alert, but he said, this is the first one where nobody dies. Yeah. I could be lying. I could be lying right now and everybody dies in the movie. Yes, <laughs> you never know. You have to see it to find it. out. <laughs> um, but I, I, thought that was, I thought that was really um, really fascinating and really really kind of sad yes. that, that they had received so many, but no, none of them were about living yes. life. And yes. this movie is... Is I feel so good about this movie because you know it, it's a sweet movie. It's not. It's it's very. It's, but it comes from a very authentic place. And yes. It, and it it just it's a it's a warm movie about how to cope with something. So you can replace whatever your crap is. You know, take the HIV out and put in whatever it is that yes. you're dealing with. And I think I think most it's a very accessible movie. Uh, you know, we kick we kick it off at Frontline here. That's our hometown festival, and and I have a history with those folks. But but we're gonna we're gonna get this out to as many people as we can because it, it it's really very accessible. 
because of the the humor, but also it doesn't. It's just inc- we try to kind of include everybody, be very inclusive, and and so I hope people will. I hope all sorts of people um, <laughs> will appreciate this this movie. Um, it has a really giant giant heart. Yes, um, and there's so there's so much hate being stirred up right now. So Pushing Dead is trying to stir up a little love. So yes. Yeah. And from what I've seen, Tom, it, again, the trailer is, is all that I've seen, but the characters are, they don't lie to themselves. They face the truth about their life, but then they move on. They live. Uh, and and uh, one of my favorite lines was, uh, I don't want to give away too much, but but uh, Danny Glover's character says, which, which we should mention, by the way, there is this whole subplot that's going on, too. This is not just right. about the protagonist's uh, journey or struggle, the writer, but um, but that that subplot has great interest. And as you say, we all have our particular uh, pile of crap to deal with, and 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 we see some of that also in the film. But I love Danny Glover's line: "This is my time to be miserable, not yours." And the response I won't give because it's just so, <laughs> you know. But yeah, you know we um, we and which brings up the point we sometimes get so lost in our own problems that we forget right. there's a whole world out there trying to make it. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's easy. It's very easy to get lost in your own problems because they're very real. And whatever your problem is, however small, if that's the one problem that you have, it can feel really huge. Yes, and. Um, so yeah, everybody. I tried to give everybody a little time in this movie. Yes. So everybody has everybody has a little bit of time. So not only do my top, you know, five actors, and um, I probably, you know, there's there's Danny Glover and James Ruday and Robin Weiger and um, and Candy Alexander plays plays Danny's wife, and and then Tom Riley. Um, plays a character in there. And so the, those guys all have a lot of screen time, but even the people who have very little screen time, I try to, to, to give, give them their moment to tell their story. And I actually had people at uh, the Sundance Institute who were saying, like, don't, this is, this is you know, this is the, a movie about the characters Dan and Bob, and this isn't, don't give that other person their story. I was like, no, that's what makes Pushing Dead Pushing Ex- Dead. Is exactly. Everybody, everybody gets their a, a little chunk of their story told. Yes. And and I'm so glad that I ignored those very nice people at the yes. because because that's what I'm that's the feedback that I'm getting is yes. that everybody really appreciates that everybody has their their story going. There are a lot of little a lot of little stories going in this in this movie. It's, um, so, um, so I enjoy that. I enjoy, you know, you, th- you think about that, that person that passes by and mm-hmm. what their story might be. Yes. And so you can get a, get a little glimpse of it in this movie. And, and you do that, Tom. Believe me, you do. From what I've seen, uh, it's just an indication, but I know it all gets developed because you can tell, even from the trailer, that uh, here you have characters. It's a character-driven movie as well as an issue-driven movie, but it's really about the people each having their own solo challenges, but as they come together, as their challenges as well as their lives intersect, 
they find when they're trying to help the other person li live with and solve their issues, they are learning how to solve their own. You know, it's like right. I helped the guy over here, the, the farmer down the road, and suddenly my, my crops are growing better at my house. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's... Yeah, no, it, it is. It's so, it, it's so important. And I think people, uh, I don't know, for some reason I feel like when getting the diagnosis when I was 18, yes. um, that I learned, you know, I, I, it, it, I was on this accelerated kind of uh, uh, life um, class that I, where I, I, I pulled as much information in as fast as possible. I don't know, it just seemed like things slowed down for a little while for me, and I had a much better understanding of mortality and everything. But it's so, it's so important to be kind you know that goes for yes. I guess you know that goes for everybody, but um, it it's just so important to be kind and and I I've reminded people that I work with about that and and if you come to our set if I make another movie come to our set because it's just a good bunch of people and mm -hmm. everybody and if somebody's somebody that's the only time that I will ever lose my patience with somebody is if they're not not being respectful and kind to somebody else mm -hmm. it's so important to be nice to everybody around you you mm -hmm. know and and uh, and and so i try to live my life that way and i think that message is kind of brought out in this in this picture so um uh anyway yeah that's my that's my that's my big tip for any um wannabe directors out there is that you know that forget about your movie is important but it's so important that everybody around you is enjoying what they're doing. Yes. And don't convince people. Don't convince an actor. You know, don't twist their arm to work on your movie. Find somebody who who wants mm -hmm. to be there. Yes. Um, because then they'll they'll have that you know that that desire and and you know you'll end up with a a, a very good product most likely. You know. Excellent. So anyway. Ha Kind, exactly. Be kind to everybody, pulling together, living together, working together, uh, you know, respecting each other. You've got it all, Tom. You're right, and, and your film, Pushing Dead, uh, it tells us, it shows us that the power of that kind of thinking, that philosophy. Tell us, we, we've got to go, but tell us a bit about how can we see the film? What, what about Outfest? Um, uh, give us some, uh, take us out with some information of how we can see pushing dead sure um we, we just kicked things off because we just finished the film about four weeks ago we we slapped the end credits on you know got our sound mix in there and so it, it's fresh yes. <laughs> freshly made yes hot out of the oven and so <laughs> uh yeah we kicked it off with frame line we'll we'll bring it to outfest it's going to be playing on uh july 13th i believe um at night and uh, at DGA One, which is a fantastic uh, venue uh, at the Directors Guild in in Los Angeles, and it's you know you can't ask for a better venue. So I'm very excited yes. about that. Because here we have like funky, amazing theaters like the Castro Theater, 1400 seat theater. That that was where we had our premiere, and it's packed. And, but but still, it's that theater wasn't designed for you know sound and and uh, projection so mm -hmm. that stuff always suffers in our cool like san francisco venue but the dda 
is like a spectacular yes, place yes. to see your work because the image and the sound will be beautiful. So that is a great place to see it if, if folks are in L.A. And then we have had a lot of offers from festivals, so people will have to stay tuned. They can follow us you know, on Twitter or Facebook, and we'll keep everybody um, in the loop uh, regarding our upcoming screenings. But you know, most festivals, when they tell you that they want you or that you're in, you have, you're sworn to secrecy for a little while gotcha. until they announce things. So, so we'll be making our way, way around the globe uh-huh. um, is the plan. And then we're, we're certainly hoping, we, we're just starting to talk to uh, sales reps and distributors, but then we're hoping that to take it to a wide audience with theatrical distribution and then, and then whatever distribution follows that. There's so many different outlets for yes. that now. It's pretty yes. exciting. And so everybody should be able to see this movie without a problem in the, in the not-too-distant future. And give us, just to be uh, uh, absolutely clear with us here, how do we get uh, follow you on Facebook and Twitter? Pushing Dead? Uh, on, on Twitter, uh, we are uh, Pushing Dead Film. And on Facebook, I believe we're, we're just Pushing Dead. The easiest thing to do is you go to pushingdead.com. Yes. And we have all of our, our social media icons on there so you can just click away. That's one hell of a title, let me tell you. That, uh, wow. <laughs> I mean, when I first read I went, holy smoke. Okay. Tom Brown, Tom E. Brown, the writer and director of Pushing Dead, the world's first, dare we say, comedy about HIV and AIDS. And um, I have to say, we, we've said it all already, but let's, let's just remind you, uh, this, is a, 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 this is a movie about life. It is funny. It is meaningful. It's uh, an in-depth look at friendship and, uh, as Tom would say, kindness and working together and caring about one another, respecting one another. It's all of those things. And you can interject, as they say, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You can interject your life at any point and both be entertained and educated by this movie. My hat off to Tom E. Brown and his entire team, my goodness, of, of such amazing professionals. Tom, thank you so very much for being on the show, and I wish you and Pushing Dead all the very best. I really do. It's been a... Thank you. It, thank you so much, Marcella. This was, this was a lot of fun. Oh, it was fun. Even, Moving and fun. Go even, ahead. <laughs> even with a little hangover, you made yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Tom. Let's stay in touch. I mean it. You're a great guy. Take care. Bye now. Thank you so much, Marcello. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Stay with us as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. Another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. To call the films of the late Philip Seymour Hoffman an overture to human suffering would be an understatement. But Hoffman brought a unique vitality to his roles. He had an unflinching ability to peel back our everyday lives to expose just how strange our mundane world is. Synecdoche, New York, writer Charlie Kaufman's directorial debut, is no exception. 
called the best movie of the decade by Roger Ebert, Synecdoche ushers us into the bizarre life of theater director Caden Cotard, played by Hoffman. A legion of doctors leads him down a bureaucratic labyrinth of diagnoses, and his box office attendant's house is perpetually on fire. After receiving a prestigious MacArthur Genius Grant, Caden begins to assemble a cast of amateur actors and build a copy of the real world inside of a warehouse. Everyone he knows and meets, including himself, becomes a character. It's the ultimate performance piece, and when the lines between acting and life begin to blur, we start to wonder if there was ever a difference in the first place. Brutal, but full of moments that reveal Kaufman's signature imaginative vision. This is a powerhouse indie that delivers on all that's promised. Synecdoche, New York. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Film lovers will enjoy visiting IndieFilmMinute.com, finding great film discovery in the archives, and challenging thought in our blog. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Black, white, and blue all over again. In the aftermath of sniper murder in Dallas, Texas, public reactions have been what we've come to expect. Conservatives largely silent about street weapons of mass destruction. Governor and mayor pass out pablum band-aid as soothing, consoling patch for a horrific wound to those drowning in grief before funerals and moving on without. Police shootings of black men in Baton Rouge and Minnesota largely push to backburners to simmer, while the main media course, Terra in Dallas, is brought to boil repeatedly. M.I.A. Wayne LaPierre's Madness only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Mr. LaPierre, all five Dallas police officers were good men with guns, protecting good Americans in peaceful assembly. The commonality of sniper fire, mass shootings, gangbangers, foreign wars, police brutality, community fear, and NRA bottom line lining political pockets is guns. The cure? Hope, trust, faith voting political backbone to overcome special interests. In unity, we party, then weep, play, then pray, longing to wash away the epidemic violence of a ranting few with the generous voting common sense of the many. It's not just Dallas, Minnesota, and Louisiana, not just police killing African Americans, not just African Americans shooting police. It's a constitutional mindset derived by agendas addicted to profiting from destructive human behavior. It's not just conservatism's dark side, but program biases ingested into our hedonic hotspots from handheld devices. It's not just about the Bush-Cheney Wall Street-induced Great Recession. It's about defining ourselves by the number of dollars at our disposal. It's not just about bigger, better, faster, but what value is being the most advanced country technologically if our global communications fail to embrace different cultures and points of view. It's about getting beyond being statistics. More white people killed the 26 police who died in the line of duty in 2016, while 136 black people were shot by police in the same 191 days. More black people were killed by U.S. police in 2015 than were lynched in the worst year of Jim Crow. America is not just about statistics for media hype. 
The Senses for Gerrymandering, Madison Avenue Analysis for Addictive Ads that Hook Us on Overconsumerism. And while elections are not just about exit polling, exit polling is about our media trampling over those who are first will be last. It's not just about Texas open carry and Paul Ryan's GOP tap dancing to an oldie but baddie NRA refrain. It's about political leaders being elected for solutions, but far too many, like Congress and retrograde Roberts and Alito Justice, are offering up a pittance of lowering the flag, moments of silence, and condolence cliches, while gutting the Voting Rights Act, voting for Citizens United, and ignoring this truth, the shared commonality between Newtown Sandy Hook, Charleston's Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church, Richmond, Virginia's TV reporters, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, and Terra in Dallas is guns. It's not just violence of any kind is more than political opportunity to huddle and scramble for the perfect words, because for multiple death from gun violence, there are no words. We are either about being colorblind, preserving the mental health, economic stability, and individual security of all human life, or being accomplices after the fact to numeric few attempting to take over the land still trying to breathe free. It's not about the size of our arsenal defining our manhood. It's about needing cold water in our faces to warm our hearts and awaken our brains. Zika virus, ISIS, and climate change denial are the real potential pandemics. The fear of being left behind, oppressed, and forgotten can only be defeated by our collective spirit of reason, denying denial of truth and dismissing from power the powers who need foreign wars and seed domestic violence. Solutions 1. Instead of allowing 24-7 media to program us into believing America is a polarized nation, attend meetings of diverse local groups and listen. 2. Know that bullets will never defeat the powers that steal our hope, but ballots can. 3. In peaceful assembly, start walking in city streets, silently, allows the non-violent presence of our numbers to be the message. 4. Make certain all races, all ages, all ethnicities, and all sexual preferences are encouraged to walk by our side. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Com website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.